Thank you for listening to the Calvary Monterey podcast. Please visit calvary.com to learn more about our church. And visit nateholdridge.com for additional Bible teaching from our lead pastor, Nate Holdridge. Teaching today is our Calvary Kids pastor, Manny Colazzo. Well, hello. This is uh, Pastor Manny coming at you from Calvary Monterey. And it's such a pleasure to be here with you today uh, to share God's word with you. Hey, before we begin, remember to like and subscribe. Hit the notification button on this uh, YouTube link or wherever it is that you're watching. So you can be aware of when these things are being posted. And also feel free to share it as well. Perhaps this might minister to you. And even if it doesn't, there might be somebody else in your friends list and people that you're in contact with online that would love to hear this and maybe it might minister to them so feel free to share it with them hey take a moment and uh pray with me father we come before you this time this morning this evening this afternoon whenever it is that these folks are watching this message and we ask lord god that you would be present that you would use your word to minister to our hearts and our souls lord that you would pierce through whatever it is that that is distracting us that you would take center stage and primary attention and ultimate control, Lord God, of our hearts and minds, that we would hear what your spirit is saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, even though he was denied becoming a Jedi master, Anakin Skywalker was Obi-Wan's Padawan learner. The X-Men had the wise guidance of Charles Xavier. And depending on what generation you're from, the real Karate Kid was under the tutelage of Mr. Miyagi. And if you're more of the younger generation, Jaden Smith, he had Jackie Chan. But for all of them, if they were going to advance their skill and improve their chops, they had to discipline themselves to learn and follow the principles and practices of their teacher, their master, their leader. And it's the same way with Christians. You see, to be a Christian is to be a disciple, a student of Jesus. A disciple of Jesus follows Jesus. Following Jesus is similar to playing the game, follow the leader. When schools open back up, playgrounds, visit a schoolyard, Go to the playground, and I'm sure you might see some kids playing follow the leader. They select a leader. The others line up behind the leader in single file, and they try to follow him or her through a series of obstacles. Maybe they follow them through a path, crossing a bridge, jumping a creek, walking along a wall, or rolling down a grassy bank. You see, in the most basic sense, that is what it should look like when observing the life of someone who claims to follow Jesus. You see, disciples follow. They watch. They learn. They imitate the teacher. A disciple follows the instructions of and yields to the direction of their leader. And so today, I'd like to drill down on one aspect of being a Jesus follower. A little while ago, I saw an Army Reserve billboard that caught my attention. And what caught my attention were some of the phrases and words that were used on this billboard. It said, respect. 
$20,000 signing bonus, competitive edge. And I've seen others, perhaps you've seen them. Sign up today and receive a $50,000 bonus for college. Have you seen similar ads? Or, or maybe you've seen television commercials luring people to join the Navy and see the world. You can fly high in the U.S. Air Force. We're looking for a few good men. Can you be one of us? Travel, college, bonuses, pride, the sense of belonging. These are all great incentives to enlist. And you see, those slogans are meant to appeal to our desire for adventure, success, and our need for significance. The goal, the goal is to attract, to attract as many people as possible. But do you know what I noticed wasn't mentioned in any of those ads? The cost of becoming a soldier. See, unfortunately, when young recruits don't consider the sacrifice that will be required of them, they wash out. They wash out because they haven't prepared for the demands of being a soldier. And so in today's passage, you might want to turn there right now, Matthew 8, verse 18. Jesus takes this strange approach towards recruiting followers. As two men emerge from the crowds that were crowding him, they're asking him to be his disciple. And instead of incentivizing them and appealing to their desire for adventure, success, and significance, Jesus has them consider the demands of following him by clarifying what it's going to cost them. Jesus has them consider the demands of following him by clarifying what it's going to cost them to follow him. Well, how about you? Have you been following Jesus for a long time? What has following Jesus cost you? Or maybe you've been off and on with Jesus for a while. Is that success? Is that how someone follows Jesus successfully? How does someone follow Jesus consistently? Or maybe you're considering becoming a follower of Jesus. You've been watching for a little bit. You'd have been observing. You've been reading. Maybe you've been attending somewhere. What does it take to live a life that faithfully follows? One that doesn't wash out but goes the distance with Jesus. How does one prepare for the demands of being a disciple so that we don't throw in the towel and quit? Well, here's how, and here's our big idea for, tonight, for today. You calculate the cost of following before following. Calculate the cost of following before following. You see, when you perform this calculation, it helps you gauge your willingness of following Jesus. It also makes you aware of the potential risks of following him. And finally, it prepares you to endure the rigors of following Jesus. But here's what I've wondered. I've been putting together this message this week as I was preparing it. As someone, there's a question that's that been nagging me in, down deep in my soul. You see, I've followed Jesus for almost 30 years. 
And the question that's been nagging me is, is it worth it? Is it worth following Jesus? As I think back over my life, where I've been, what I've endured, sacrificed, and suffered because of this commitment I made over 29 years ago, is the juice worth the squeeze? Well, before we end, I'd like to help answer that question for you. So you should already be there. Matthew 8, verse 18. We read there that when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. This is the Sea of Galilee. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes, and, bird, and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. I don't know if you know this, but I read that this is typically how Jewish teachers would gather a following of students. A student would search out the rabbi and would ask to follow him. And what he meant when he said, hey, I will follow you, was that he was willing to devote himself to align his life with Rabbi Jesus, his teachings, and wholeheartedly commit himself to learn from him, being like him, and living like him. And if you think about it, who wouldn't want to be associated with, with someone with the influence and the swag that Jesus had? When, when Jesus came on the scene after his baptism and the temptation in the wilderness, he took the world by storm. The crowds, the popularity, the excitement. And if you read the previous chapters, after being filled with the Spirit, Jesus was empowered to serve people by healing them of their aches and pains, diseases and sicknesses. One time, he even cured someone who had the incurable disease of leprosy. I mean, who wouldn't want to be known as a disciple of someone who possessed so much authority that he doesn't even have to touch a sick person to heal them, like he did with the centurion servant? And boy, boy, can he preach. When Jesus spoke to them, he spoke with an authority that they had never heard from their religious leaders or teachers. Did you hear? Did you hear that powerful sermon he delivered on that gross grassy knoll overlooking the Sea of Galilee? Talk about a mic drop. It was all about the values of this Jesus culture that he was ushering in. Jesus' impact and popularity was so widespread that multitudes of people came from miles away to see him, to get to his attention and to get a piece of him. And so as this teacher of the law approaches him, I'm sure that following Jesus was an attractive opportunity. Perhaps it, the idea of following Jesus even fed into his desire for success and significance. But there was something also that's impressive about this potential follower. Did you notice that he told Jesus that he was willing to follow wherever he goes. What's moving about this encounter is that he doesn't know where Jesus is going to lead. 
And isn't there something inspiring when someone goes all in and commits to follow Jesus with reckless abandon? He appears to be all in. It seems as if he is fully bought in and, and is completely on board with Jesus' mission. Are you serious? Anywhere? Man, this guy is bold. He's brave, maybe brash. But Jesus isn't so quick to take the bait, is he? He doesn't quickly accept him into the ranks of his disciples, nor does he answer the potential disciples disciple directly. Instead, in verse 20, Jesus informs him that wild animals have better shelters than he does. See, this response isn't a rejection. It's not even a correction. Oh no, this response is an attempt to get him and anyone else that, that is starry-eyed with the idea of following. And here's your first point. You might want to write this down. To calculate the sacrifice of following Jesus before committing to follow Jesus. See, what Jesus is trying to get this man to do is to calculate the sacrifice of following Jesus before committing to follow Jesus. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, hey, right now you are so motivated that no doubt you're sincerely willing to go anywhere I lead you. Maybe you're so inspired, you'll promise to do anything I tell you. But hold on. Slow your roll. Have you estimated the cost of following? Do you know that I don't, I don't even have the simplest of security and comfort? I don't have a roof over my head or a pillow for my head. As you hear that, perhaps you might be thinking, are you serious? Come on. Isn't that a bit of an exaggeration? Jesus, Jesus couldn't afford an, an as seen on TV miracle bamboo pillow or a $20 tent. Are you serious? Well, think about it. While on earth, our sensei Jesus never had his own house or apartment. He was housed by those who loved him. One time, he needed a coin to illustrate a point. He had to ask someone in the crowd for one because he didn't have a coin. And then when, on his final week, when he was, was going to be received by Jerusalem and the people as the Messiah, the guy had to borrow a donkey to ride into Jerusalem. And the tomb he was buried in, it was borrowed. See, this simplicity was the pattern of his life. And Jesus wants those who want to follow, or though anyone who is considering following him, to be fully informed that following him was going to cost them. But is it worth it? Is it worth the cost and the sacrifice? Unlike a salesman, trying to close a deal before the customer gets cold feet. We observe Jesus, he's not getting pushy. He's not begging this guy to follow him. Jesus is operating more like a coach. He's a coach who's helping his athlete discover the commitment that's gonna be needed in order to be successful playing at the next level. 
Are you sure? He, he's like a wise counselor helping the love-struck couple understand the sacrifice that having a successful marriage will require of them. He doesn't do this to discourage the man's enthusiasm. Jesus, no doubt, wants him to succeed. He wants his followers to be forever. Oh, no. I think what's going on here, I believe this exchange is a teaser of another lesson that is to come. The decision to follow him is not that happy, clappy version of Christianity that we think it is. No, being a disciple that follows will involve picking up a cross, denying self, dying to self, and giving yourself away. And in order to do so successfully, effectively, and productively for a lifetime, one must calculate the sacrifice of following Jesus before committing to follow Jesus. Well, how about you? Are you willing to follow Jesus? Are, are you aware of the potential risks of following him? You see, answering this question prepares you to endure the rigors of following Jesus to the end. But again, is it worth it? Is it worth the sacrifice? Well, what are some of the possible sacrifices that we must be prepared to make when following Jesus? Well, if we stick to the context of what Jesus said to the man, he said, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What that means is that when following Jesus, we must be prepared to sacrifice our comfort, security, and stability. Let me give you an example. I read a blog post entitled, Why My Family Chooses to Live in the Inner City. I'll read it to you. I am a follower of Jesus. The means, this means that for reasons beyond my control or my effort, Jesus called me to follow him, and he wants me to follow in his steps. Jesus left the best neighborhood, heaven, to move into our neighborhood, earth, in order to live among us, to know our pain, and to love us. We are not perfect, and we certainly have no power to save people, but we can follow in his steps and point others to the one who does save. Jesus said that if we love someone who is suffering and in need, we are loving him. The guy who wrote the blog post continues. He says, my wife and I were both introduced to the inner city as educators. We were wondering if what we were doing was making a difference. We worked with the poor in the inner city, lived in another city, and went to church in yet another city. In the fall of 2010, a friend brought up the idea that for any inner city schools to change, the middle class needed to move back into the inner cities, not to gentrify, but to reconcile, to share resources. It sounded like a crazy idea for someone else's family, but God wouldn't let us shake that conversation. And soon we began to pray about it. By June of the following year, 2011, we moved into an inner city neighborhood with a church we found in that same neighborhood. 
There's an example of sacrificing one's comfort, security, and stability because Jesus was follow. Jesus was leading and they were following. If someone is sincerely following wherever he goes, then what Jesus is saying is that everything must be up for grabs because he's the leader and we are the followers. Another example of that, of following Jesus and how that could cost us could be the relocation of my friends, Kyle and Emily Kurth, who relocated to Indonesia in preparation to move to the jungles of Papua New Guinea to bring the gospel to an unreached jungle tribe. In the book of Acts, we read how God used persecution to pry the comfortable church out of Jerusalem so that the rest of the world could hear the gospel. Another way it could cost us is sacrificing acceptance and approval. Acceptance and approval from others because sometimes being obedient to follow wherever Jesus leads, it could cause others to reject you. Even Paul, the apostles, and even their disciples experienced that. If you are following Jesus successfully, you might find that a family, friends, will no longer view you in the same way and, and won't be able to accept this new life. Peter, in his letter, he wrote in chapter 4, verse 4, Your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. And so they slander you. Now, don't take this to the extreme either. Jesus isn't saying that you will never own a bed or that it's wrong for one of his followers to own a pillow or a roof over their head or that you should never, ever have any security. What Jesus is teaching is that if we want to follow him successfully, we must calculate the sacrifice of following Jesus before committing to follow Jesus. So how about you? Have you ever found yourself at that proverbial fork in the road? You need direction. There's a decision you're trying to make and you need some wisdom from on high. And you have your plan and then there's God's plan. Which one do you choose? Have you ever had to obey the way of Jesus leading in a direction that is of great risk to yourself, your family, maybe even your job or your reputation. See, following Jesus will cost you. It might cost you a meal because you're feeding someone else. It might cost you several meals because you're choosing to fast for a season. It could cost you the five bucks you spend every day at Starbucks. Or it could even cost you a luxury that you enjoy so that a missionary can have an extra $100 a month. I love what J.C. Ryle said. People who show a desire, profess themselves to be true disciples of Christ, should be warned plainly to count the cost before they begin. But if it hasn't cost you, I wonder, are you really following 
But again, the question that continues to nag my soul, and I'm sure by now, it, it, I hope it's nagging you, is, is it worth it? If following Jesus is going to cost us, is it worth the sacrifice of following? Well, in a few minutes, I'd like to answer that question for you. The story goes on. There's another disciple, it says in verse 21, that said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. It seems to me that Jesus had invited him. That Jesus initiated with an invitation and his response to Jesus who had invited him to follow was, Lord, let me go first bury my father. And the guy's request seems reasonable. After all, to Jewish people, it's a sacred duty to ensure a decent burial for a dead parent. But again, Jesus has this interesting strategy of gathering followers. Instead of rallying the crowd and attempting to recruit as many of them as possible, like a billboard does, it seems like he's trying to thin out the crowd that is caught up in the hype by laying out the terms of following him. This man just wanted to be a good son. And listen to what Jesus says to him. Another disciple said to him, Lord, let me first go bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. What? Are you serious? Doesn't that sound harsh? Kind of insensitive too, doesn't it? This doesn't sound like the gentle Jesus, meek and mild that Wesley wrote about in his hymn. He's want, here this guy, he's wanted to do a good and honorable thing by his dad. But it sounds like Jesus is telling him to ignore that and to do something else. It seems like Jesus just gone too far. This is over the top. You know, he's asking this guy to be a fanatic, if you will. Well, there's something that we're missing. And I hope that the following story helps you understand the Middle Eastern cultural dynamic that Jesus is responding to here. There was a missionary who was friends with an intelligent, wealthy man from Turkey, that area, the Middle Eastern area that Jesus was from. The missionary advised him that when he had finished his education, he should tour Europe so that his education would be complete and well-rounded. The young man answered, I must first bury my father. And so the missionary, not knowing that his father had, not knowing that his father died, proceeded to express his sympathy and sorrow. But the young Turk went on to explain that his father was still very much alive. And what he meant was that he must fulfill his duties to his parents and his relatives before he could leave them and go on the tour. And that in fact, he could not leave home until his father's death which might not happen for many years. So listen, the first guy that encountered Jesus was being impulsive. And so in order to follow successfully, he needed to calculate the sacrifice of following Jesus before committing to follow Jesus, 
Why? Because it was going to cost him comfort, security, and stability. But the second guy was being overly cautious. The first guy was being impulsive. The second guy was being overly cautious. He also wanted to follow Jesus. But he wanted to delay following until the conditions in his life were convenient and in perfect order. Jesus, listen, I will follow you. I just want to follow you someday. When my father is dead and I'm free of my obligations, commitments, then I will follow you. And so what Jesus is responding to is this guy's lack of urgency. Folks, when someone is not motivated, it suggests that they don't know how precious the opportunity was that Jesus was giving him. Or maybe they don't even understand how high the stakes are. For example, look at Peter, Andrew, James, and John, the first disciples that Jesus invited to follow. When Jesus invited them in Matthew 4, we read that Peter and Andrew left their nets at once and followed Jesus. In verse 21, James and John were repairing their fishing nets with their dad, and they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Why did they take action and leave their jobs and family? Why didn't they pause, procrastinate, and ponder the decision they were about to make? Here's why. They realized the value of Jesus' invitation to follow. And that drove the urgency that they displayed. And so what we're learning from what Jesus tells this man who wants to delay following for burying is number two, that in order to follow successfully, we must, here's our second point, we must calculate the value of following Jesus before delaying to follow Jesus. We must calculate the value of following Jesus before delaying to following Jesus. Well, how do we know? How do we know that we value following Jesus, that we see the urgency behind it, that we cherish it and we treasure it? How do we know that? Here are some suggestions to consider. Following Jesus not only, is not only about making Jesus the priority of your life, but it means letting him set the priorities for your life. And in order to do that, we have to be prepared to make the difficult choices between anything that competes with Jesus for our loyalty. I think our value of following Jesus can be reflected in how we manage other things that are valuable. Like our time, money, relationships, even our talents. Does your handling of these things reflect that he is important? Does your value of these things, does your handling of these things reflect the things that he says are important? Do we use them primarily 
for our benefit or for the benefit of others? Do we delay obedience or are we quick to obey? Are we quick to forgive, give grace and mercy? Or do we hang on to bitterness, anger, and malice when someone does us wrong? Are we generous? Are we wise by saving, by paying our bills? Question, do you think about Jesus throughout your day? Do you depend on him for wisdom, strength, and provision? Do you stop and ask him how he would handle a situation? These are all ways that we can calculate the value of following Jesus before delaying to follow Jesus. And so I wonder, if Jesus is not the priority of our lives, if he's not allowed to reorient the priorities for our lives, can we say that we're following him? Because here's what I know. That in order to be successful at following, you must calculate the value of following Jesus before delaying to follow Jesus. And again, as I come to each one of these points, it brings up that question. That question that as I started putting together this message, and I've been mentioned to you several times already. It's that question that's kind of digging in my head, in my soul. All right, I, you know, the cost, the sacrifice, the value. But is it worth it? If following Jesus is going to cost me, is it worth the sacrifice of following? Is he worth sacrificing comfort and, and risking my security and stability for? Is it worth following him and taking a gamble by letting him be the priority and set the priority for my life? I don't know. I mean, as I think about my life and everything that I've been through, just like you, many times I'm, I'm wondering, man, is what this going to cost me? This gamble I'm about to take and trusting him, is, is it worth it? I'd like to answer that, help you answer that question. In Mark 10, as we close here, Jesus has another encounter with a powerful, wealthy, and religious man who, wanted, who also wanted to follow him. And Jesus tells him, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Sadly, in verse 22, it says that this, at this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. Well, on the sideline, doing what disciples are supposed to do, listening in to this conversation, watching their master, Jesus, interact with this man was Peter and the other disciples. And Peter spoke up and he said, we have left everything to follow you. As if to say, Jesus, following you has cost us everything. Oh, what do we get for following? And this is an important question. 
Because it's the question that I've been asking and that I hope everyone is naturally asking as they hear this message. The way Jesus answers is critical because it lets us know if following him is worth it. Jesus replies to Peter and says, Truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age and in the age to come eternal life. Jesus tells us that he is worth following for two reasons. Number one, because he guarantees that those who sacrifice comfort, stability, and security that a home, land, and relationships provide because they are following him will be generously rewarded in the present age during this time and space domain and in the age to come eternity. And number two, secondly, Jesus worth following because the rewards we receive from God in this life and in the next will be worth a hundred times more valuable than the things we have given up for following Jesus. And so here's your third and final point. In order to follow Jesus successfully, you must calculate the rewards of following Jesus and you'll discover that he is worth following. Number three, calculate the rewards of following Jesus, and you'll discover that he is worth following. What are these rewards? Well, when you get to know the Bible and you read the Gospels, even the book of Revelation, it mentions these rewards, and I'm not gonna list them out for you in, in detail, because the Bible uses imagery and symbols to describe these rewards, because I don't think human language is adequate to describe something that God gives. But that is exactly what makes them priceless, is that they are a gift given to us by God. This gift doesn't decay, it can't be lost, and it can never be stolen. But it says that it is like, and these rewards are like inheriting a kingdom. In some way, these rewards will be like being given all of our master's possessions. In some way, these rewards will be similar to be given honor. The honor to be entrusted with the management of our master's property. These rewards, it says that it will be like having responsibility over cities. It's also said that it will be like a wedding banquet when we share in our master's happiness. It's like all these things and much, much more. And so, if we're going to be successful at being disciples of Jesus, fully dedicated to go wherever he leads, prepared to endure the rigors and the risks of being disciples, then remember the three calculations we must make. Number one, calculate the sacrifice of following Jesus before committing to follow Jesus. Number two, 
Calculate the value of following Jesus before you delay to follow Jesus. And number three, calculate the rewards of following Jesus and you'll discover that he's worth following. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are all all over the map when it comes to this. And you can take these words, Lord God, and individually apply them to us. You know the things that we fear, the things that are keeping us from following you effectively. The things, Lord God, that might be hindering us and hurting us. And so, Father, we ask that as we take time to estimate, to calculate, to assess and appraise the cost of following you, that you would inspire us, motivate us. By the rewards that we get for following you. You are such a generous God. You are a good God, a good master. Thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more teachings and information about Calvary Monterey, please visit calvary.com. You can also find books, teachings through the Bible, and articles from our lead pastor at nateholdridge.com. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next week.